This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We are talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and beauty owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillips. This week on Fearless Beauties, we're continuing our set of episodes all about treating different skin types. For this episode, we're doing it a bit differently. Mary and I are going to be doing a deep dive into our second chapter of the Fearless Beauties book, Black Skin. And since we have so much to cover in this episode, we're going to be covering it with just the two of us. Let's get started. I think that there's a misconception that skin with more melanin is less sensitive, and actually black skin is very sensitive and reactive. Yes, and I can attest to that. My skin is super sensitive. When I was younger, I would get an allergic reaction to grass. So after figuring that out, I was really hyper aware of what I put on my skin, especially if grass broke me out. So the only thing that I used was proactive for about five years. And after closing that chapter, my skin has never been the same because right after my skin reacted so badly to whatever I used, although I can't remember what that product was. So since then, it's been about five years now, I've been trying to find what works best for me. But the one time I received a facial, I was able to tell the esthetician that my skin is sensitive. But unfortunately, a thorough consultation was not provided. And I know that the first step to healthy skin is getting that one-on-one time with your esthetician. So Mary, what should estheticians keep in mind during their consultation with Black clients? I think during the consultation, the SD really needs to pay attention to the client's health history. Black women have some systemic health issues that can influence a skin's condition. I think that diet and nutrition needs to be discussed to look at the food relationships to skin. But Taylor, as a black woman, what things are important for you that the esthetician know about you? Well, for me, it's stressing the fact that my skin is sensitive and that it reacts very quickly. I also know how important it is to discuss bowel movements, although it may seem like TMI, but from the knowledge I have gained from your book, Mary, it has taught me that constipation affects black skin. Now, I wasn't always regular. I'm just now getting there. And now I know that bowel movement frequency is an important topic to discuss with your esthetician. But we will definitely discuss that a little later. So along with constipation, what key things do estheticians need to cover in their consultation? I don't think we can really stress enough the amount of time that estheticians need to take to really listen to their client, no matter the ethnicity. Using active listening skills, listening between the lines so that you can understand the issues that the client's dealing with, including stress in their life. I think making sure that the client knows that you're on a journey together and it's going to take a blend of home skincare and professional treatments to transform their skin. Taylor, what do you think estheticians can do to make their black clients feel as comfortable as possible? Well, first, I love how you mentioned active listening because 
We have mentioned many times on our podcast about how Estes are skin therapists. They really are. So it is not just about treating skin, but getting to know the person behind the skin, if that makes sense. When you have a black client or any client of any race or ethnicity, I think it is so important to have cultural competence and knowledge of black skin. Now, what is cultural competence? In psychology, they explain it as knowledge and acceptance of cultural orientations, whether that be race, ethnicity, gender, age, sexual identity, etc. It's providing equal treatment to all cultures, aka inclusivity, but the important factor in all of this is knowledge, knowledge of what a culture goes through socially, economically, environmentally. So turning it back over to skin, during a consultation, tell your black clients the characteristics of their skin, whether what they have is normal or not, such as PIH or melasma, and then the best treatment plans. So if they seem to not understand why their skin is the way it is, teach them. For example, polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, is common in black women and it can cause major acne and extreme hair growth. So prove to them that you know what you're talking about, even if they are your first black client. And I think that's why it's so important to get the education now. Do not wait until a black client walks in and you're like a deer caught in headlights. Be prepared and be confident. As a black woman, going to an SD of another race does not bother me, but it may raise red flags to other black women. But during the consultation, I want to know and feel like you really know how to treat my skin and are not just administering a general treatment. I think those are good points. I I think that if you're not black as an esthetician, you want your client to know that you've had education on treating skin of color. You want them to know I have other BIPOC clients and that I can help them. I've heard from several Estes who've taken the Fearless Beauty's online certification And they've expressed that black clients coming into their spa or salon really want to make sure that the receptionist or the scheduler has them getting services from someone who knows black skin because they don't want the experience of having their skin get worse because the Estee didn't know what she was really doing. Exactly. So Mary, before we get started with talking about the common diseases and disorders for black skin, I did want to mention that we're recording this episode right after Black History Month. And during February, I thought it was a good idea to provide our supporters with some facts about black skin and also highlight a couple of African-American influencers in the beauty industry. And I just want to say that the engagement was on 100 during that month. There were so many Estes who really appreciated the education. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who trust in the education that we provide. But one of the sections that I covered from our book was diseases and disorders. So I am really happy that we're discussing this today because I know that there is so much more information that we did not cover on Instagram. So let's jump right into it. What are the most common skin disorders for black skin? I know that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, PIH, is a disorder that we've mentioned before. So why is this prevalent for black skin types 
along with acne? And also, why is acne a common disorder for black skin? And what does that have to do with vitamin D? Well, black skin has more layers of keratinized cells in the stratum corneum and larger sebaceous glands. And that's thought to be kind of an evolutionary result of the heat in equatorial Africa. And it really acts as kind of a cooling mechanism. Anyway, these keratinized cells and sebum create more acne. Acne lesions might resolve, but the result is PIH, or the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. The body is producing additional melanin in order to protect itself from an injury. The melanocyte's real intent is to create a cap over the skin cell to protect it from injury or mutation, mutation from UV rays. And black skin cells have a bifurcated nuclei, so they're firing off twice as many melanocytes. That's another evolutionary shift from the intense UV radiation in the African sun. And that's why it's really important to know how to treat acne in black skin, because performing extractions with acne could lead to an injury, which would lead to PIH, and then the SD just has another problem to solve. Vitamin D deficiency is another health issue because our bodies metabolize vitamin D from UV radiation. So black skin has that melanin protecting it from that UV absorption. A study that I just read said 82% of African Americans have a vitamin D deficiency. So atopic dermatitis or skin that's easily irritated or inflamed with some slow healing are symptoms of this vitamin D deficiency, Taylor with your sensitive skin and allergy to grass. So an increase in vitamin D can actually help with inflamed acne. I read an article about a week ago that stressed the importance of black people needing more vitamin D. It tied into the fact that black people are more likely to suffer from COVID. And a big part of that is because of those low vitamin D levels. So if the inflamed acne doesn't make you jump, think about the fact that more vitamin D equals a lower susceptibility to COVID. Now, let's talk about melasma. What is it? How does it occur? And why is it so prevalent in black skin? Well, melasma is another common disorder type of hyperpigmentation. It's not really well understood, but there's definitely a hormonal and hereditary component. It has a definite pigmentation pattern, usually symmetrical across the cheeks, sometimes in kind of a butterfly pattern. Um, also on the upper lip, upper forehead, and the chin. And women's hormones are always fluctuating, but particularly during pregnancy, melasma sort of becomes much more evident. It's really hard to treat, and it's usually an ongoing condition that requires the use of some kind of melanin-inhibiting skincare, some professional treatments that will calm the melanocytes down from overproducing. Being too aggressive can cause the melanocytes to get angry and produce more pigment. It's really a delicate balance. Yeah, I've definitely seen melasma in some of my family member skin, especially on the cheek area. So moving on, tell us about polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, and how it can relate to acne. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, or PCOS, it's another common condition that black women have had to deal with. It's a systemic hormonal disorder. There's a disruption in androgen or sex hormone productions, and things just go off kilter. Women can have irregular periods, heavy menstrual cycles, that 
excess oil production from the sebaceous glands. That leads to acne. Also male pattern hair loss on the top of the head uh, with thinning hair and then growth of facial hair. The body has a metabolic disorder and diabetic symptoms are really common along with challenges in losing weight. The body's metabolism slows way down. Estrogen is stored in fat and so our body stores the hormone estrogen and so women who have PCOS, they're struggling to hang on to their estrogen. They can't lose weight because the body wants to keep that estrogen to put it back in balance so it hangs on to the fat. And I do believe that the growth of facial hair from PCOS or PCOS is called hirsutism. I posted a few pictures on our IG a couple weeks ago and it was really interesting to read about. Yeah, that hirsutism is, I think it's a real self-image problem with women who are struggling. I think it's challenging and it's something that estheticians can help people who suffer from PCOS. But when you have PCOS, that low body metabolism means that the digestive system then gets slowed down. Black women have the higher incidence of constipation, like we've mentioned earlier. And, you know, what does constipation have to do with it? But there is a connection because our intestines absorb nutrients to fuel our bodies. The large intestine is really a holding container for the waste and the toxins after the good stuff's already been absorbed and it's just waiting to be eliminated from our body. These toxins have to go somewhere and so they get reabsorbed into the body and then they typically get released through the skin and they come out as papules and pustules, uh, sort of back acne or shoulder acne. Yes, and acne on the back, the neck, chest, and upper arms is often linked to constipation. And to help clear that acne is treating the constipation with probiotics and a high-fiber diet. Absolutely. Another medical condition that affects Black women more predominantly is uterine fibroids. The fibroids are fibrous growths that occur when the endocrine system gets disrupted. A study shown that women who use hair relaxers are more prone to uterine fibroids and it's thought that the toxins in the hair relaxers get absorbed through the scalp. These fibrous growths can appear inside the uterus or outside the uterus. The growths can then push against the colon and cause constipation. And then black hair follicles are curved. So when women have PCOS and they're struggling with facial hair growth, that hair can grow and then curve back in the skin and cause perifolliculitis which can cause PIH and sometimes even keloid scarring. See, that is so interesting because my mom had pretty bad fibroids when I was younger and she always relaxed her hair. I mean, back in the 80s, she was relaxing her hair. But good thing is now we are both natural, but I'm glad to know that information for other black women I know who still relax their hair. Tell us about keloid scarring. What can black people do to help counter this? Well, keloid scarring is another condition that happens when black skin is injured. If the injury extends beyond the dermis and is healing, remember we talked about that double nucleated skin cell, it overproduces and so it builds up excess scar tissue. Yeah, I've definitely seen keloid scarring throughout my family. So lastly, Mary, chat with us about dermatosis papulosa nigra. 
Why are these important to watch for? Dermatosa papulosa nigra are the small, dark, raised lesions that can form on the skin, almost like little skin tags. I think Morgan Freeman is probably the most famously known person who has DPN. And because our culture typically values beauty that's based on the Eurocentric version, um, that doesn't include skin that has DPN. So sometimes people will want that removed. And then if you remove the DPN, you are going to risk creating a bigger injury with either keloid scarring or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So Mary, would you say that since it is a risk to remove, is it best to leave them alone? Leave them alone. I think they're beautiful. <laughs> that, you know, they are. They're a unique characteristic that you could just flaunt and say, this is something my skin has that is unique to me. Yeah, definitely. My aunt and my mom both have DPN. So I've always wondered what was on her skin and my mom till this day does not know. So I'm going to go after I record this podcast and tell her all about it. <laughs> so Mary, we've spent some time chatting through the various diseases and disorders that are common to black skin. So going into our next segment, what should Estes focus on in the treatment room? I think in the treatment room, the esthetician needs to be focused on not creating another problem, especially PIH. The treatment plan needs to be progressive, not aggressive. Most clients are going to be coming in for help with acne, melasma, and pigmentation. So you want to exercise the skin. Do a series of sessions that are going to slowly condition the skin to accept stronger, more aggressive treatments. It's like training to run a marathon. You start out running short distances, gradually increase your distance till you can finally run miles and miles. So, for example, with chemical peels, you would want to start with an enzyme exfoliation. Enzymes don't penetrate very deeply, but they do digest some of the layers of the stratum corneum. So if your client does well, doesn't develop PIH, then at the next appointment, you could use a larger molecule chemical peel, like a lactic acid or a salicylic acid that has a low percentage. Then you are going to need to decide if you're going to use an AHA, alpha hydroxy, or beta hydroxy acid. Alpha hydroxy acids are hydrophilic. Beta hydroxy acids are lipophilic. So BHAs are good choices for acneic skin because they're going to digest that oil in the pores. Sometimes a blended peel with a little bit of salicylic and another acid, maybe another alpha hydroxy like mandelic acid that comes from bitter almonds or malic acid that comes from apples and pears, that works to inhibit melanosome activity. You're going to increase peel ingredient percentage with each session and possibly consider a glycolic peel last. Glycolic acid is the smallest molecule and it penetrates the deepest, so using it is really the biggest risk with black skin. If you're going to use another tool in your SD toolbox, everything should be done gradually. Don't perform an aggressive microdermabrasion right away. Start with a finer grit. Don't perform as many passes. Conditioning the skin is really the key. I love this, Mary. So all I can say is that I cannot wait to come and get my facial. Yes, I will fly six hours just to get an hour facial. But like we have mentioned before, what the client does at home is the most important part of reaching their skincare goals. 
B said that it's 80% of a healthy and consistent home skincare regimen and 20% of what your esthetician does. So we definitely know how significant it is, but what does an at-home skincare regimen look like for Black clients? Home skincare needs to be a consistent home skincare regimen that will address your client's skin issues. That's actually more important than professional. Like you said, regular use of a melanin-inhibiting skincare that would help fade PIH, oil control through the right cleanser, and then nourishing the skin through the right moisturizer and SPF. Black culture sometimes teaches that, you know, they don't need SPF because they don't burn, but they do burn and they do get skin cancer. Black skin does age more slowly because of the denser collagen. So the use of retinols, which are often used in anti-aging, can be too aggressive and it can cause PIH if you don't titrate up the strength when they first start using it. Hydroquinone is another one of the best ingredients to inhibit melanin production, but it's really a controversial ingredient. Overuse can cause ochronosis, which is a permanent discoloration of the skin, kind of a purplish discoloration. Hydroquinone's been banned in Europe for several years, and it was just banned in the U.S. in a provision in the COVID-19 stimulus bill, uniquely. Wow, I did not know that. And just to speak about SPF really quickly, I never used to wear sunscreen on a daily basis until about a year ago. I was one of those people who did not think I needed to wear sunscreen unless I was going to the beach or pool where I would be exposed to skin for hours at a time. But just to go to the grocery store or for a walk, never. It was a generational lack of knowledge because my mom did not know black people could get skin cancer, and I'm sure her mom and grandmother did not know either. But I am glad I know now because I can now teach my daughter how important it is, so I'm thankful for the knowledge because no one wants to get cancer. So everyone, please wear sunscreen, even on those rainy days. I think the key things with this episode are paying attention during the consultation, doing a strong visual exam so you know whether the client has PAH or melasma if they're coming in for pigmentation issues. Pay attention to hormonal issues for PCOS, uterine fibroids for acne, and then create a treatment plan that's progressive with each session. Home care should include a melanin inhibitor for sure. Suppressing those melanocytes will help prevent a possible adverse reaction if they have a professional treatment. Those are excellent takeaways for estheticians, Mary. But to add, I would say stress the importance of wearing sunscreen and most importantly, get the education. To become an inclusive or more inclusive industry, it takes the initiative of Estes to learn how to treat skin of color with confidence and to be fearless about wanting to make a change happen. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself. Remember to stay open and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host Taylor and our producers at Quill Inc.